Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. I say beautiful here, but there are some parts of the world that are even hotter than we are right now. Poor Portland, 114 degrees and humid this morning. So let's just pray that a bunch of them can find their way into air conditioning. But today is a beautiful day. And I do want to remind you that there are, you know, expensive seats up here. Remember when you used to have to pay for a pew, like, you know, back in the day? Um, that, that the expensive seats were the close ones. I just want to remind you of that. I, I know it puts you on camera, but... But you got all these perfectly good seats. Anyways, now, good morning and welcome to all of you. And to welcome to our friends online. I know we still have many people worshiping with us online. And you are welcome to worship with us. We are so thankful that everybody can come together in so many different ways to worship. And I'll tell you, I'm loving all of the stories of all of your friends and family who are worshiping from afar isn't that amazing? It's just such a wonderful blessing that we're able to do this. And so now, as I welcome you all to worship, the peace of Christ be with you all. Now, will you first turn around and give a good morning wave to our friends online? And now greet one another. And let us join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning. We turn to you, Lord, and we pray for your presence to bless us, whether we are here in this sanctuary or worshiping from home. Bless us, Lord, and fill us with your power and with your presence. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. And now we have some announcements. And so I've got actually a few announcements for you. Now, the first announcement that I'm going to make is that today was going to be Graduate Recognition Sunday. However, two of our graduates are not here because they are graduating, because their Saturday graduations moved to Sunday. So, of course, what did we do? We moved Graduation Sunday to next Sunday so that they could be present. And so we are going to be celebrating our graduates next Sunday, which I'm also going to say, in case you didn't get the emails, if you have a graduate who's graduating from high school or from college, please make sure to email me, send me their picture, where they're graduating from, uh, and where they're going on to in the future, because we love to recognize our graduates, because we are proud of them. We're always proud of people, and we're always ready to celebrate with our church members, uh, regardless of age. And so make sure to send that to me. Next Sunday, we will be having that, su- that service. And if it is nice out, if it is not raining, guess where we are worshiping next week? In the courtyard. We are going to be right out there. You know we have metal chairs. You also know those metal chairs are not very comfortable. If you would like to bring your own lawn chair, please go ahead and do so. You know, if you've got those chairs that you've had in your your trunk for soccer games or something, those are perfect. Grab those and bring them here. We will all spread out. Uh, We will, I'm working on it this week, but we are going to somehow have it so that the camera is still able to stream outside. Uh, we are going to have to test it out a bunch. So if you're, if you're worshiping online, you'll still be able to do so. I can't promise that it's going to be quite as good, but we are going to try our hardest. But everybody's welcome to join us also in the courtyard, spread out as much as you can. And uh, that's going to be our plan for next week. 
And also, let's see what else I have here. We have, uh, I'm going to invite Troy to come forward in just a second, but we also have a um, chicken barbecue coming up that's in West Seneca. So if any of you guys like to travel to West Seneca, you know Plymouth Crossroads, which is the homeless house for teen boys, which no longer is the actual house, but now they're working on, on the placement and the support for all teen homeless boys. And they are stationed at Ebenezer UCC, and so they are holding at Ebenezer UCC in West Seneca a chicken barbecue, just like the one we just had. I think it might be a different one, but a chicken barbecue. Tickets are $12, and I have 20 of them, and I told them I will sell 20 tickets. So if you, people don't buy them, I'm going to have to buy 20 tickets myself. So if you want to help out so that your pastor is not out an awful lot of money, the pastor who also doesn't eat meat, then I would love for you to come buy tickets from me. And then the last announcement that I have, I'm almost done, is yesterday we had our community dinner. We were a small group, but we were mighty, and we did a great job. And it's funny because we're like, well, we only served like 160, 170 people, you know, only. And it just makes me laugh how now that's an only, when we only serve 160 to 170 people. Isn't that amazing that every month we serve at least 160 people in our community? And you should see the thank you messages that come in. It's amazing. People are loving it. So great job, church, and it's such a blessing. And now, Troy, do you want to come forward and give a lay pastoral care announcement? Got to walk fast up here. Um, in just a few weeks, uh, the Reverend Dr. Wayne Gustafson will uh, join us uh, and to facilitate uh, a, a pastoral uh, care training uh, session and workshop. It's the week of July 16th, 17th, and 18th. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, if you are, feel that you are being called and wish to learn more about how you can share your gifts here at the church to helping others, uh, this may be something that is of interest to you. Um, on Friday, we will meet here about 6 o'clock uh, to do dinner and to do uh, welcome and introductions. Uh, Saturday will be an all-day uh, of, of learning how our spiritual gifts are, are used, how to u- utilize them to the best that we can. Um, and then Sunday, we'll meet here again for uh, worship service as well as breakfast and then another workshop on, le- on how the Spirit leads us. So if you're interested uh, or would like to, to have more information, it's on our website. Uh, it was in the most recent Zionite. You can also see me after worship for information. And if you're interested in signing up, we can sign you up as well. It's free. There's no cost to attend. Uh, all meals are included. All um, materials are included. And again, if, you, if you're feeling called to you know, share your gifts with, uh, with, the, with the church in, in, a, in a spiritual way, then come see me.
we pray. We say, come, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Come and build your throne among us, Lord. We offer you our praise. Rise and fill the temple of our hearts. Be exalted in this place. Be exalted in this place. Come, Jesus, come. Come, Jesus, come. We need your mighty presence in our lives. So we call on your name. Hear us, Lord, as we pray. We say, come, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. We say, come, Jesus, come, Jesus, come. Amen, and please be seated. And friends, as we light our peace candle today, I know that there's so much that we have in our hearts and our minds, but all throughout the week, I don't know if you saw the video, but I've had that image of that building in Miami going down and knowing that there are still so many lives that are missing knowing that most of those people are not alive, knowing how many people are climbing into that rubble to try to, to find more people who might be alive or even to pull the bodies that are not. I don't know about you, but that's been really tugging at my heartstrings. So as we pray for peace, let us also lift up in prayer that community, that community that was sleeping at night, and now so many lives are lost. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you, Lord, and we pray for peace. We pray for peace that surpasses all human understanding. We also pray for peace for that community in Miami. Lord, our hearts are broken just looking at the news, and we can't imagine what they're going through at this moment. For that community that's suffering, for all communities that are suffering today, May your peace prevail in their lives and on this earth. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Good morning, kids, and great to see you again, Finn. Good morning, Charlie and Bernie. And hi, kids. Good morning, everyone. Are we going to learn about David again today? No, not today. Today, we're going to learn a story about Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? Well, a little. I've heard my mom talk about him. My mom is Debbie Williams, by the way. She's a church member here. Well, Jesus is someone you definitely want to know about. He is the Son of God who came to live with the humans and teach them how to be nicer and how to love more and to teach them all about God. But mean people killed Jesus. But since he's the Son of God, he actually battled death and won. And now he's with God in heaven. But Jesus left us the Holy Spirit to stay with us here on this earth as the power of God. Oh, wow! So Jesus is, like, really important? 
Very important. Since Jesus is the Son of God, when he lived on earth as a human, he had power. Like a superpower? Yeah, basically. He could heal people. He even rose some people from the dead. But one time there was a woman who was sick for many, many years. Did she have the coronavirus? No, it wasn't the coronavirus. It was something else. But she was sick for 12 whole years. 12 years? That's a long time to be sick. Yes, it was. And she had tried everything to get better. But when she went to all the doctors and she spent all of her money on different cures, nothing helped. Then one day she saw Jesus and she knew that if she could just touch Jesus, that his power could heal her. Oh, I remember this story. She reached through the crowd and she touched him. And the moment she touched him, she was miraculously healed. That's right. And Jesus spoke to her in front of the whole crowd. And he said to her, your faith has made you well. Wow. So Jesus healed her, but he gave her the credit for the healing? That's right. She was healed because she believed. And sometimes we just need to believe in God and believe in ourselves for good things to happen. I bet that if we believe in God, and if we believe in ourselves, we could probably do some pretty awesome things. Like be a super dog! Maybe. Having faith in God, but also believing that we can do tough things, are both important. So Charlie, what you're saying is that if we have faith in God, and if we believe we can do tough things, then anything is possible? Exactly. Jesus even said, with faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing is impossible. Wow! You better watch out, Mom! I believe I can be a super doggy! You already are a super dog, Finn. You're super to us. Well, kids, I know I learned something today, and I hope you did too. Be blessed, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, kids. Good morning, and please respond uh, to our litany under the part of all. Sing praises to God, all you faithful ones. God hears us in our fear and sorrow. Let the people say, I will sing praises to your name. Where there was no way, God leads us a new way. Let the people say, I will sing praises to your name. Where there was no mercy, God surprises us with fresh mercy. Let the people say, Where there was weeping, God invites us to step into a new dance. Let the people say, I will sing praises to your name. Savior, I know for sure, all of my 
my days are held in your hand, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart, I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Beside me, I give. 
to the potter's hand. Amen, and please be seated. And will you open your pew Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter. We will start with verse 21. We only have the one reading today, which is really a continuation of where we are. Just last week, we were in the fourth chapter. The week before that, we were in the fourth chapter. Now we've made our way into the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, starting with verse 21. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. And then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet. And he begged Jesus repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. And now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather she grew worse. And she had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? But he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John and the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, Jesus saw the commotion and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. But they laughed at him, and then he put them all outside and took only the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. And he took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years of age, and at this they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head, for love is passing by. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. Now your burden's lifted. And carried far away And precious blood has washed away the stain So sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus Sing to Jesus And live Like a new baby don't be afraid to crawl and remember when you walk sometimes we fall so fall on Jesus fall on Jesus fall on Jesus and live sometimes the way filled with pain so if your sky is dark and pours the rain then cry to Jesus cry to Jesus cry to Jesus and live won't climb hills over and music fills the night and when you can contain your joy inside then dance for Jesus dance for Jesus dance for Jesus and live and with your fire Let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning. We turn to you and we ask, Lord, that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your peace, bless us with your power, and bless us with your love. 
We ask, Lord, that you bless all of the words of our mouths and all of the thoughts of our minds, not only when we are here in the sanctuary, but also when we are out there in the world. Bless us so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So you can see the, the picture I chose to be our background for this sermon. It's going to stay up there the whole time. I don't, I don't know. It just makes me so happy. Has anybody ever seen this video that this comes from? If any of you scroll through Facebook, you'll see it at some point in time. If you ever see these, these two little kids in a video as you're scrolling through any kind of social media, stop and watch the video. It's the most precious thing in the world. But one of my favorite things about children is how they are always so naturally compassionate. I mean, children aren't perfect. I think all of our teachers that are now on summer vacation can attest to that, that children are by no means perfect. But I do love the natural compassion that children have. If somebody has hurt feelings, children will go out of their way to go and to hug their friend or their sibling or, or someone because they think that that person might need a hug and, and they want to help their feelings get a little bit better. If another child is physically hurt, then kids are always quick to go run and to go help and to go take care of that other child. I'm going to tell you just one of my little proud mom moments is that uh, one of my daughter's friends, and, and she's one of the friends that's in one of the the kind of special classes, and she broke her arm this year, this spring, and every single day, Taylor would wait outside of her class so that she could carry her backpack to the auditorium when they went to go wait for pickup. And when I heard that, I think my mom and my mom heart just burst out of, out of just such love and such joy. I love the way that kids so naturally have compassion. I mean, we hope that us parents are teaching kids compassion, but a lot of this can't be taught. And I know that because there's sometimes when one of my kids is getting into trouble and I'm the one who's maybe disciplining or definitely disciplining my child and the other one's sitting there and you know like oh I'm sorry Taylor oh I'm sorry Walter kids are so naturally compassionate and I love it I mean it brings my heart joy to see little images like this it brings my heart joy to see how naturally compassionate young children can be but the thing that I think kind of stinks is as we get older, sometimes we lose that natural compassion. As we get older, we might hopefully stay compassionate, but we're never quite as compassionate as we were when we were that age. You know what I mean? I'm going to give you a little case in point right here, and I'm going to use myself as the bad example. Because here's a little case in point. We have a, a back door that leads to a sun porch. And whenever we let our dogs out, the dogs, the, well, I only have two of them, remember. I only have Charlie and Bernie. The black one's Debbie's. But whenever we let our dogs out, we let them out into the sun porch, and then it's a sun porch, so there's all these either screened or glass doors, depending on what the season is. Right now, most of the glass doors are opened, and the screen doors are closed. My dogs know this. They've lived there as long as we have. And, and so when I let the dogs out to go outside, they go out through there, and then they know they have to wait for the next doors to be open so that they could go out. Sometimes the dogs are a little impatient, and sometimes the dogs aren't paying very good attention to whether or not the screen door is open. And so here's a little case in point. Last night, I went to let the dogs out, and Charlie, who's usually my calm one, you know, I open up that one door, and he just busts out and straight through the screen door. <laughs> the 
this is the second time he's done this in 24 hours. And so if my kids were still awake, they would have been like, oh, Charlie, are you okay? And petting his head and everything. And instead I'm like, are you serious, dog? Did you really just do this for the second time? And then I'm there getting the screen door. I'm like a professional at getting these screen doors back up onto the track. Although it's not sliding quite, quite as nicely as it did the last time. But that's just a little case in point. If my kids had been there, if it wasn't past their bedtime, they would have been petting Charlie and like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And checking his little head. Not me. I was like, are you kidding me, dog? How did you do this again for the second time in 24 hours? Especially with Charlie. I'm like, you're supposed to be the smart one. There's a reason I make him the smart one in the videos. He's the one who is quite intelligent of a dog. But anyways, that's my case in point for how as we get older, we start to lack some compassion. As we get older, we lose that natural compassion. We lose that natural just like no matter what happens, like, oh, are you okay? We start to get a little judgy as we get older. Or maybe we start to think, oh man, if you break that, then I'm the one who's going to have to fix it and all of that stuff. So any of you adults here, can you agree that as we get older, we lose a little little bit of that compassion? Anybody else want to confess like me? We're not as compassionate as we once were. Well, let's think about about some more examples of how adults can lose compassion. Anybody, I brought up social media, anybody ever get into an argument on social media before? Uh, Let's honesty, honesty, I want to see some hands. Anybody ever get into an argument on social media? Has anybody ever been a little bit less than compassionate when getting into an argument on social media? Exactly. That's another little case in point I have here. When adults sometimes get into arguments about something, especially something that we get a little heated about, sometimes we forget that other people have feelings too. Sometimes we forget that we should, you know, yelling at somebody isn't going to make them suddenly side with us. We forget about all that. And so sometimes we, we lose our compassion. Or just imagine, here's another thing I was thinking of. You know, something terrible happens on the news, and there's all sorts of terrible things that happen on the news. I mean, I, I, it, it, sometimes it's heartbreaking. There's some days where it's like, man, what is this world coming to? It's tragedy after tragedy. But something terrible can happen on the news. And and as we're listening to the people talk about it sometimes, then, then maybe suddenly it goes from instead of like learning about what's going on to deciding whether or not somebody deserved that for that terrible thing to happen to them. I mean, talk about losing compassion. So often people are not nearly as compassionate as they should be. Or here's one of my biggest pet peeves about how adults lose compassion. This, and this is a lesson for all of us. This is one of my pastoral biggest pet peeves. When somebody loses a loved one, when they bury a loved one, that first week, everybody's right there for them. That first week, they have all the support, but then sometimes I notice as weeks go by, or depending on, the gra- like on how big this, this loss is, sometimes months, sometimes even years go by, and then people who are around that loved one start to be like, aren't you getting over this yet? Like, how are you not over this yet as if grieving has a time limit? And it breaks my heart that adults can lose compassion. Somebody is grieving and other people want to judge when they should stop grieving instead of just being compassionate and being there for them. As we get older, we lose some of that natural compassion. All of us adults, I hate to admit that it's even me, but all of us. The older we get, it seems like we lose some of our compassion, except for Jesus. Jesus never loses his compassion. Jesus never, ever loses his compassion. Look at that big cross we have right there, friends. You see that cross? 
Jesus died on that cross not because he needed to, but because he had compassion for us. Jesus died on that cross because he had compassion for you and for me, for all of us. He didn't care whether we deserved it or not. Jesus had compassion for all of us, and that is why he died on that cross for us, because of his great compassion for us. Think about what we just read, and I'm even going to go a little bit earlier, but with what we just read, Jesus gets off a boat, and he does this in the fourth chapter and in the fifth chapter. It's like he's getting on this boat and going from one side to the other side, the one side to the other side. He must have been getting a little bit dizzy. He's going back and forth from one side to the other side, and we know that when Jesus gets off a boat and he sees these crowds of people surrounding him, what the Gospel of Mark tells us is that Jesus has compassion on the people. That's the phrase that we learn. That's where this word is coming into my mind. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus has compassion on the crowds. All the times that the crowds gather around him, think about these people who are in the crowds. These are people who need healing. These are people whose lives are broken. These are people who are just, you know, at their wits end. These are people who are suffering. These are people who are longing for more. And they're coming to Jesus, and we learn that Jesus has compassion for them. And then as we read through the fifth chapter, we learn about these two different healing stories. This first one where Jesus has compassion for this woman, this woman who we'll talk about a little bit more in just a, a little moment, but this woman who's been suffering for 12 years, who's been deemed unclean. Jesus has compassion on her, and Jesus has compassion on this little girl and her family. 12 years old. By the way, Bible studiers, I, I see a couple of you. Did you guys pick this up, that the girl was 12 years old and that the woman had been suffering for 12 years. I don't know how, but in Bible study, I didn't pick it up. But of course, when I was reading it out loud right there, I was like, ooh, there's something to that. Next week in Bible study, we might have to dig into that a little bit more too. But if you ever want to join us on Bible study, it's on Facebook. But Jesus has compassion, compassion for all of them. The Son of God comes to live among us, and again and again and again, he has compassion on people. So now let's just take a moment to walk through these two healing stories. In this first healing story, we have this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Her body was physically drained. Her body was becoming weak. She spent every single cent that she had trying to go to doctors, trying to find cures. She spent every single ounce of money that she had to try to get better. And you know what happened? She got worse. And as she got worse, she got weaker. And as she got weaker, she was losing hope. She was basically ready to throw up her hands and die. She thought that her life was over, and that wasn't it. Do you realize that when a woman at that time was bleeding, that she was deemed unclean? She was not supposed to go out and to interact with society. She was not supposed to go out into the world. She was supposed to stay in her own place until her time was done, and then she was supposed to be able to go through a whole entire ritual cleansing process, and then she could go back into this world. So for 12 years, this woman was deemed unclean. For 12 years, this woman was suffering, and everybody knew it, and they judged her for it. They did not have come compassion on her, but they judged her for her suffering. Can you imagine what it's like to A, be suffering, and then to B, be judged for your suffering? But here, she hears about Jesus. She hears about Jesus, and she hears that Jesus can do these miracles. And she's lost all hope. 
But she just holds on to that little just thread of belief. If I just touch his clothes, if I just reach out, if I can just get close enough that I can touch his clothes, I just believe that that power can come from Jesus and that I can be healed. And she does that. She pushes through the, cloud, through the crowds. And just imagine, this woman is weak. This woman is suffering. And she is pushing through the crowds with every single ounce of her power that she has left in her. She is pushing herself and she is pushing through the crowds until she can just reach out and touch him. And when she touches him, she is miraculously healed. And then what happens next? I think a lot of times people get confused about what happens next. So I'm going to tell you my point of view of what happens next. People give different points of view. So here's my point of view of what's ha- what happens next. She is miraculously healed and she knows it. And what's she about to do? She's going to go turn around and go on her way. Like, whoo, man, I'm healed. I can go back to my life. Who can blame her? That's probably what I do too. She's about to walk away. But everybody has terrible thoughts about this woman. Everybody thinks that this woman is suffering because God has condemned her. Everybody is is judging this woman and, and sees her as unclean. People have bad thoughts about this woman. So Jesus stops the crowd and says, who touched me? And I love this. I love his disciples. His disciples are just regular people like you and me. And I love they're like, oh, Jesus do you see everybody around? Like, oh, what do you think? You can say, who touched me? It's my favorite thing. I, I really hope that there's a movie theater when we get to heaven and we get to see all this because I think this part would be hilarious to watch what the disciples said. But so the disciples, they're like, Jesus, what are you talking? And then Jesus looks and then she comes forward. Jesus allows her to come forward, by the way, too. Do you realize that? He doesn't point her out. He allows her to come forward, which there's, that's just beautiful in its own. And then look at what he says to her. He, to her. he says, daughter. Do you know that when, when Jesus says daughter, he's using that word as like a beloved daughter. Daughter. Daughter of God. My daughter. Think about when, when you talk about your own daughter, you mean that with so much love. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. You believed and you were healed. He gives her all the credit and she is healed. And finally, she gets to go live her life. Jesus has compassion on her. More compassion than anybody had ever had. This is a woman who nobody showed compassion to for 12 years. This is a woman who everybody deemed was unclean for 12 years. Jesus had compassion on her. He called her daughter. And he gave her credit for her own healing. Wow. Do you realize our Jesus is so awesome? I just sometimes, I mean, I just read through this and it just blows my mind that we serve a God who is so loving and so compassionate. Nothing can compare. But that's only part of the story. That's actually the story inside the story. Because when we're reading about that, we're actually in a bigger story, aren't we? We're in a bigger story about this man named Jairus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name wrong or right or wrong, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it. So there's this man named Jairus, and he's a leader of the synagogue. Think about what that means. Who does Jairus work with? You know who he works with? The scribes and the Pharisees and the priests. He works with all those people who are so judgmental of Jesus and so jealous of Jesus. He works with those people. But you know what? When his 12-year-old daughter gets sick, when his 12-year-old daughter is on her, on her deathbed, who's the person that he goes to? Does he go to his judgmental colleagues? Absolutely not. Does he go to the colleagues that are going to tell him, hey, you know, your daughter's probably dying because you did something wrong. Does he do that? No. Instead, who does he go to? He goes 
to Jesus. He goes to Jesus. And again, Jesus has compassion on him. He doesn't say, hey, your colleagues, they're not nice people. Hey, did you stick up with me when, when they were saying, or stick up for me when they said all those bad things? Hey, hey, what are you doing in the synagogue? Or are you being just as bad as those scribes and those Pharisees? Jesus didn't say anything like that. But he looked at Jairus. And he went with him. He had compassion for him. Compassion that that man needed at that moment. And then I love this. I mean, there's so much more compassion in this story. I could go over it forever, but we don't have time, so I'm not going to do that. But if we go through the story, we find out that, that as Jesus is then walking towards the house, that right after he heals the woman, as he starts walking towards the house with Jairus, that a crowd comes and they say, don't bother the teacher. Don't bother him. Your daughter is dead. And immediately Jesus says, nope, she's just sleeping. <laughs> No, she's just sleeping in that Bible study. Again, we talked about this. Why did Jesus say that she's just sleeping? Think about what happened to Lazarus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, suddenly people wanted to kill Lazarus. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, some of those colleagues of Jairus wanted Lazarus killed to hide the proof. So Jesus says, nope, she's just sleeping. She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Jesus didn't need the credit for raising somebody from the dead. But instead, he says that she's just sleeping so that he can have compassion on her and he can protect her even after he miraculously heals her and he goes to the house. No words of judgment. Only the words, Talitha kum. Little girl, get up. And she gets up. And she is healed. Friends, we serve a compassionate God. Every time you look at that cross, I want you to think about how compassionate our God is. Every time that you look at that cross, I want you to be reminded that Jesus did not need to die, but he died because he had compassion for us. And if our Savior has such great compassion for us, how much compassion should we have out in this world? Now, I'm going to tell you, there are so many people that don't have compassion. We have sweet little boys like this who are so sweet and compassionate and just warm your heart. So just, if you think that the world's nasty, just do me a favor and look at this picture and it'll make your heart happy. There are, there are such amazing young children as examples in this world, but there's also some people who seriously lack compassion. Now, I almost stopped on my way in to take a picture, and this is a, a picture of somebody who's the act, exact opposite of Jesus. I almost stopped to take a picture of this house that I pass every day, and every day it breaks my heart. There's a house that it, it's at the, like, you know, if you're leaving my street and then you take a left and on this little street right there, there's a house where this man has a Confederate flag hanging outside of his door. And his neighbors directly across the street are people of color. What's the opposite of compassion? You know what? I think that is. What's the opposite of compassion? It's doing terrible things like that. And believe me, I've talked, so you know, I'm married to an attorney, and my attorney has advised me I'm not allowed to go trespass on his property and tear this flag down. And, and you know, we have friends who are police officers, and they also say the same thing. They're like, Elizabeth, we do not want to have to arrest you. Please do not go tear that flag down. And, and they also are like, you know what? He also might shoot you if you go do that. So maybe don't go do that. So as of yet, if I get arrested, I'm going to tell you the reason I'm going to be arrested. If I get arrested, it's going to be for trespass passing on that man's property. Complete confession time. You can arrest me. It's fine. Um, but here's the thing, that this man, 
I wonder, like, when, when he put up that flag. Was it after the people moved in across the street? Was it after he had neighbors who were people of color? And after that time, that then he put up this flag. I don't know. I'm just, see, just imagining what happened. But all that I know is that every time I drive by that house, it breaks my heart. Every time I drive by that house, it just breaks my heart. Except for the times when, like, God's removed it, where there's been, like, a windstorm, and it's been down and on the ground. And I'm like, yes, good job. One point for God. But, you know, it breaks my heart because that's the opposite of compassion. You know who in our Bible is the opposite of compassion? That's where we get those those bad Pharisees and those bad scribes. They are the ones who lack compassion. But do you know who Jesus says that we should be like in the Bible? Do you know who he says who we should be like in the Gospels? Little children. Lori got it right there. Jesus says that we should be like little children. And what do little children so naturally have? They naturally have compassion. We're supposed to be like the little children. We're supposed to be compassionate. How can we be more compassionate? What can we do to be more compassionate? Let's make this our homework this week. I'm going to have to distract myself while my kids are off at camp this week, so I'm going to be on a mission to find more ways to be compassionate and hopefully not get arrested by going to that man's house. But How can we be more compassionate? How can you be more compassionate? How can I be more compassionate? Because when we look at that cross, we remember that Jesus was compassionate for us. So what can we do to be more compassionate? Imagine what this world would look like. How many of us are gathered here and how many are watching online? I have no idea. By the time Sunday's over, we will have have touched about 200 people through our worship service. Imagine if all 200 of us were on a mission to be compassionate this week alone. How many lives could we change? How many people could we bless? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, you are the one who teaches us compassion. You are the one, Lord, who shows us love. You are the one, Lord, who who forgives us and blesses us and heals us even when we don't deserve it. You are the one who shows us to be better and to love more. You are the one, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be more compassionate. Help us, Lord, to love. Help us, Lord, to be like the little children. Help us, Lord, so we can be more like you. And we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue our worship with our tithes and offerings, either given online, as some have been doing, or to be put in the plate at the back of the sanctuary as you leave. Thank you. If there's 
with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. The grassy fields lay at your feet, the forest trees, they stretch to the heavens, the cloudy skies open up to you, the rolling hills rise and fall in you. ocean waves, they clap their hands, the water falls, bow down to their knees, the glassy sea reflects your rays, the rushing river runs after you, I see your majesty, how can it be? sings, great are you, Lord. You are the God of heaven, great are you, Lord. You are the King of glory, great are you, Lord. And I delight Lord, 
And now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.